Dr. J.D. Gray was a legend, a legend in New Orleans. He'd been the pastor of First Baptist New Orleans uh, for many, many years. He, he arrived there as a young man, and he waded in uh, to that church to change not only the culture of that church, but to really make an influential change in that city, you know, Sin City, New Orleans, uh, the place where, you know, let the good times roll. But J.D. Gray was effective, and God used him in a great way. And he was a great orator and a great uh, and a great leader, a great civic leader and a great pastor. I met him when he was in his 90s. I was a student at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. I was serving the Elysian Fields Avenue Baptist Church as a minister of music. And my job was to sing before the preacher preached. That was what I did. It was such a small church. I started a choir. We had about eight people in the choir. They were terrible. My uh, piano player was amazing. He was blind, so uh, he didn't read music. Uh huh. But he was blind and he just could play. Unbelievable. We sang and had a great time. And my job was to sing before Dr. J.D. Gray preached. I had two jobs that day to lead the congregation on singing, to sing a solo before Dr. Gray preached, and then to help him to the pulpit. Now, he came in that day and he was a frail old man. His jacket probably fit him earlier in his life when he wasn't a frail old man. And he was just like, I'm thinking, okay. This is going to be like a long day. But it was amazing. I finished singing. I, I introduced Dr. J.D. Gray, uh, the former pastor, actually pastor, pastor emeritus in First Baptist New Orleans, helped him to the pulpit. He grabbed the sides of the podium, and then he preached like a 20-year-old man for an hour. For an hour. Something happened in him when he got behind, as he called it, that sacred desk. And to began to pontificate the power and the purpose of the promises of God. It was unbelievable how he just went after it. And what he did, he preached what he would call his signature sermons. Now, for those guys in that epoch of history, uh, Dr. Um, J.D. Gray, uh, R.G. Lee, others, they had uh, Perry Sanders, they had famous sermons that they preached uh, uh, one of them was Payday Sunday, and that was Dr. Lee's famous sermon. But Dr. Gray had this famous sermon about we would see Jesus. And he reached in his ill-fitting coat, and he pulled out this, this placard, this sign, this, I mean, like you would put on a name desk, uh, something that would identify an office worker, and he glued it to the platform. I mean, just affixed it to the, to the podium. Boom, there it was. And it said, we would see Jesus. And for the next hour, he preached out of this passage found in John chapter 12, we would see Jesus. Now, allow me to read this passage for you. Now, among those who went up to the worship of the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said, Sirs, we wish to see Jesus. He preached that passage, literally pulling it apart, and we were captivated by the passion and precision of his words, he had spent his entire life with the burning desire that people would see Jesus, that they would meet Jesus. He was captivated by Jesus, and he wanted everyone else to be <clears throat> captivated by Jesus as well. And <clears throat> I get that, and I understand that. And maybe that was the, the beginning of the birth in my life, to live to make Jesus famous, the all for Jesus thing that's going on. In my life. And this morning, I don't have a sign <clears throat> that I can laminate to a podium, but I do have a desire that you would see Jesus. 
and that you would feel overwhelmed by his precision, by his purpose, by his power. That you would see that I've been held captivated by Jesus and he wants to captivate you as well. That the intentionality of God to place himself in the body of a baby and live among us that we might be placed into the family of God. It's unbelievable. Now I've wrestled with thoughts too deep for me and beyond my scope of understanding in writing this talk today as Jesus is our high priest. But I want you to see him as literally as that. I want you to meet Jesus, the one who represents us before God. Many images come to my mind when I say high priest and probably to yours as well. But I want you to set all this aside and see Jesus. His standing as high priest is unlike any other and our need for intercession is greater than any of us can imagine. We would see Jesus, y'all, and in seeing him, it'll change everything. So let's meet him, Jesus, our high priest. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share all of this with these folks that I love. And I pray, Father, that you will speak through me, not my words, yours, for your glory. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, the word high priest is kind of an antiquated word. We don't usually use that in our common vernacular, especially those of us who are more of the Protestant, the Reformed movement. We don't, uh, we talk about Catholicism. They have priests and hierarchy of priests, and they have local priests, and they have bishops, they have cardinals, they have a pope. Pope could be considered their high priest, but usually the Protestant world, we, that's an antiquated term. We don't have that. In fact, we hold on tightly to the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. There we all have soul competency with God. We don't have to go through the intercession of a man. There's no sacrament other than salvation that we have to experience. That, so in looking at this, this is a foreign thing. But why do we need a high priest? Why would Jesus put himself in that position? Let me read for you in Hebrews 5. <clears throat> for every high priest is chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He could deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weaknesses. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for his own sins, just as he does for the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when God would call by God, just as Aaron was. So a priest is someone who stands before God on our behalf. God established the priesthood in the Old Testament to represent the people before God himself. And the sacrifice system of the, the blood of goats, rams, and bulls and the meat that they would sacrifice, the Jewish people were given this sacrificial system of sacrificing these animals and eating the flesh of these animals as a foreshadowing of Jesus coming to pay for the sins of all mankind. God was doing this. And then God set aside a whole tribe of people. There were 12 tribes of Israel. And Israel was the name of a man. His name was Jacob. God changed it to Israel. He had 12 sons. He set up 12 tribes. And those tribes, the tribes of Levi, was presented as the priestly tribe. Now, why the tribe of Levi? Because Moses and Aaron were from the tribe of Levi. Oh, so the tribe of Levi became the priestly tribe because Moses was the one representing God to the people. It was a foreshadowing. Now, it's really interesting that this was done. He knew, God knew, that there had to be a replacement from an imperfect priesthood. The good intentions of man were marred by their sinful nature. Moses was a sinful man. 
Aaron was a sinful man. Every Levitical priest that followed was a sinful man because we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standards. So God had set this up as a foreshadowing that he knew the best priest in the world would be imperfect because we're all sinners. So God had already predetermined that there would be a go-between, someone who would represent us before God in the definition of priest, who would perform the ritual sacrifice once and for all for us in perfection, and that was Jesus. Now you say, wait a second, Scott, Jesus wasn't from the tribe of Levi, he's from the tribe of Judah. That's right. Why? Because Jesus was a kingly priest from the descendants of David and the descendants of God's anointing by himself. God did not choose a Levitical priest, but he chose one from the tribe of Judah as the perfect priest king. Jesus is a prophet, a priest, and a king. And so he chose Jesus to be the one who performed the one-time sacrifice for us all, and that was the sacrifice on the cross. So Jesus is the perfect high priest. Let me read for you more out of Hebrews. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. What confession? Confession that Jesus is Lord. The confession that brings salvation to you. That Jesus, I'm yours. Hold tight to that confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. In other words, Jesus knows what we're going through, and he's holding us by our confession. When we say, Jesus, I'm yours, he never forgets it, and he holds it, and he's the perfect representation for us as a sacrifice for our sins and the intercessor for us before God. Wow. Let me read on. This is Hebrews 7. The former priests were, were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing office. In other words, they would die. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. In other words, Jesus' salvation is complete. It's not predicated on your on your self-effort. It's not predicated on your righteousness. It's not predicated on your behavior. It's predicated on your confession of faith in Christ. And he saves to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it is indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and those for the people, since he did it once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priest, but the word of oath, that's the word of oath is the word of God, which came later in the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. One time sacrifice for us all, because Jesus is a high priest like no other. Not born of Levitical priesthood, but God in flesh, the unborn undestructible life of God. You see, Jesus is a better hope than the other priest. It's a better covenant than the old covenant. It's a better life. Jesus is above the systems of the law of Moses because it's infused with grace, not based on behavior. And he holds his priesthood forever. He will never lose it. That he is perfect, innocent from sin, and saves completely. I love that fact. Saves to the uttermost. No need to keep, sanct to keep sacrificing for us because he was once and for all for our sins. He's our intercessor, 
our mediator, our advocate, one who stands before God and pleads on our behalf. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation or the payment for our sins, the suitable substitute for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 1, 3, 1 through 2. Now, what is, what's it saying here? What's it saying? What, we have an intercessor, a lawyer. This is what it means. That if I'm in a court of law and I've been charged with, with a sin or a grievance or a, a, a violation of the law, that I have a lawyer who speaks on my behalf before the judge. The judge doesn't listen to me. He listens to my lawyer. My lawyer pleads my case for me on my behalf. This is what Jesus does. But Jesus is the perfected lawyer, the perfect, the perfect lawyer. I could call 4444-4444 and get an imperfect lawyer. I can call, if you're in Alabama, you know, Alexander Shinara and get an imperfect lawyer. I can call Thomas J. Henry and get an imperfect lawyer. And I know I just gave these guys free advertisement, whatever. But they're imperfect lawyers. I could call on Jesus and he's the perfect one, the advocate who knows it all. And even when I'm guilty, he takes the judgment. Wow. You're not going to find a lawyer who do that for you on this earth. But you have a lawyer in heaven who's done it for you. And then when the righteous judge, God, looks at you, he doesn't look at you. He looks at Jesus. And he says, not guilty. Wow. That's what a high priest does, and that he saves completely. He doesn't look at Jesus and say, not guilty. Now, you, Weatherford, you got some things you need to pay for. No. God does this because he loves us. Then how should we respond to him? Let him love you. Let him love you. Because of this, because we, we've been made right with God, we have an advocate who stands before the Father, who pleads our case, who's a high priest for us once and for all. We are then with a clear conscience to serve God. Listen to this. But how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve a living God? Because I have a high priest who represents me before God, because he's taken upon my sins, that I, I have an advocate before the Father, I can now serve with a clear conscience. Yes, and so many of you fail to serve God because you feel inadequate, and that is a lie of the devil, and you need to listen to the Father who says not guilty, and you have a clear conscience to serve. In fact, he takes your misery and makes it your ministry, your mess, and makes it your message. Because I have a high priest. I can draw near to God with assurance and not with guilt. I can hold fast to him, and I can hold on to hope without wavering from him, and I can come together with you in unity because I have a high priest who brings us together. Listen to this. Since we have a great high priest of the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled, cleansed from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope, without wavering for he who's promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good work not neglecting the meeting together is the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near 
<coughs> what is the day drawing near? That's the end of time. We talked about Jesus as our coming king. I want you to meet Jesus as your high priest who gives you a reason for us to assemble together, whether it's online or whether it's in person. In fact, people who are gathering together, the latest studies have shown, are gathering together, are doing far greater emotionally and relationally than people who are not. Who are not. In every statistical category, People who are intentionally engaging with the body of Christ are doing better than those who aren't. Why? The promise. Not neglecting to meet together as they have to some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day coming. Oh. See, our gatherings then are made to encourage, to inspire, and to instruct. Your group time is made for you to encourage, to gather, to love, and to learn and become like Christ. Your God time is your intimacy with the Father that he may speak to you through the word and through the power of the Holy Spirit that he might craft your character to become like Jesus. Your group time, your, your God time, your God time, your group time, your gathering time, your gathering time, your group time, your God time, all for Jesus. And that's why we put this together for you, that you might have the environment to encourage one another and live all for Jesus. Why? We would see Jesus. That's why. As the high priest, as he is, the perfect one, the sacrifice for all mankind, and seeing him, it will change your life. You will become undone, undone as you live all for Jesus. Not undone to some kind of dumpster fire or mess, but undone to yourself, tied to Jesus to live for him forever. It's pretty exciting stuff. We have a high priest. His name is Jesus. So respond to him by faith today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for what you said to us in your word today. And I pray, Lord, that we will not just listen, but we'll respond to you with our whole lives. And that we'll let you be our high priest. And Father, that we will encourage one another, we will draw near to one another, and we will not waver in our hope. But Father, we'll hold fast with assurance that you are holding fast to us. Thank you that you died once and for all for my sins and for the sins of the whole world. And I want to live in that truth, and I want to live in the fact that when God sees me, he sees you. And I'm not guilty. I'm no longer a slave. I'm not condemned. I'm a child of God. And Father, I pray that for everyone who's listening today. For some who need to claim you for the first time as Lord and Savior, I pray they whisper, Jesus, I'm yours, and that you will change their lives. For those who need to take steps, next steps, Lord, I pray that they'll take them. And I thank you for what you're doing. And I pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. Hey, again, I want to thank you for joining with me today. And I, I hope this has been helpful and encouraging. And I hope you'll not forsake the assembling together but to spur one another on. Whether you're watching this, we preview on the Sundays or, or watching it sometime later in the week, that you'll take advantage of those three environments, your God time, your group time, your gathering time, and you'll take your next step. Next step. step into membership. Become a part of this family. Learn how to grow. Learn how to serve. Learn how to share. Uh, and, and be a part. Just because you're watching on, on the Internet, on video, it, it doesn't matter. We're all part of the same family. So let's encourage one another with these things. I love you. If you have a prayer need, a concern, 
let us know. Raise your hand. Go into a prayer channel, prayer room. And let us pray for you as we continue to live all for Jesus. Don't forget to sign up for the Friday Fords. Uh, sign up for that on our website, fbcwimberly.com. And, and be encouraged because we love you. And we'll see you again next week as we continue to meet Jesus. And meeting him changes everything. God bless you.